Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Parenting is full of the same joys, same predicaments, and same puzzles around the globe. Still, it's fun to hear from someone who is helping parents in another country. Stay tuned. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being our listeners, and thank you, too, for supporting our sponsors. Raising children is a challenging business, a bit like trying to tame jelly, all wobbles and no rules. Parenting is full of the same joys, predicaments, and puzzles around the globe. Still, it's fun to hear from someone who is helping parents in another country. A good reminder that we are all connected. Sue Atkins joins us from the UK. She has over 35 years of experience parent coaching as a deputy head teacher, and she's raised two children of her own. She's the parenting expert for BBC Radio, Good Morning Britain, and India's Parenting World magazine. On this podcast, we often talk about big themes like masculinity and gender equity. Today, though, we're going to get down to the basics and ask Sue to speak in her ever so down to earth style about some common parenting questions. Welcome, Sue. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's so fun to have you. You know, we I think we all would say we imagine becoming parents and it's kind of a rosy picture. There might be some rainbows and some unicorns and then the picture kind of changes pretty soon. You know, we realize that our child has their own unique personality. Were you surprised by your children? Well, no, actually, um, I was, I'm pretty relaxed and pretty calm and both my kids are pretty relaxed and pretty calm, but then their dad is like that too, sort of quite laid back. And when I had my kids, even when I was pregnant, I was so delighted um, that I just enjoyed the whole process. And in hindsight, and having read a lot of stuff since, I realised that I actually try and help 
pregnant mums as well, um, because they and dads, of course, but they are the ones if they're in a good mental health and they're physically relaxed and happy. I think all of that works together to help you kind of pass that on to your children. That's so, so my problem was I wasn't a relaxed and happy and calm person before I had kids. I didn't necessarily pick out a relaxed, happy and calm person to procreate with. And then we had children. <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> I love your point, because if a pregnant mama is calm and relaxed, her child, not that, you know, not that it's 100% guarantee, because as we said, every child has their own personality, but it certainly oh, does help. Yeah, yeah. So I've interviewed a lot of parents over the years, and I would say their number one wish, like wave the magic wand, number one wish is that they had more patience. Right. How would you advise parents to up their patience level? <laughs> what a question. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a mindset as well. We are rushing through life. We rush mm. everything. We And we rush our children. We rush them to eat their breakfast. We rush them to do their shoes up. We rush them to brush their teeth. And I think children have got something to teach us because they just don't worry about those things. They take their time. They look out of the window they play with a toy and then they go, oh yes I must finish off putting on my pajamas or whatever they're doing and I think there's something in that that they you know we must stop rushing them because if we stop rushing them then we are more patient with them and I think self-care is not selfish I talk about me time which is me time for the mums and dads you have me time which is you know for yourself you have we time which is for you and your partner if you have one and then you have our time where you come together as a family it's a bit like spinning all the plates and you know I used to go to the circus when I was a little girl and the clowns used to spin the plates now you never get them really all spinning exactly at the same time there's always that one that's wobbling and you think yeah, it's and you run over off. and you yeah. run over but i think if you accept that you're never going to get them all exactly the same but you have you know you relax into that and you become more patient consciously and I think then if you're not getting enough me time, then you are running on empty and you are a bit frazzled. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that self-care, I do something on Twitter called uh, Self-Care Sunday, and it is about self-caring. Whatever that is for you, go for a run, read a trashy magazine, meet a friend for coffee, whatever it is for you, do do it. Because lots of mums feel guilty about that. But if you're running on empty, you can't be patient. Yeah. So I think if you see it from that point of view, then it gives yourself permission almost to ditch the guilt and to look after your own well-being. Good reminder what, for all of us. What would you say, Janet? Do you um do you feel like you started your parenting journey with a lot of patience? Do you feel like it's something that you sort of uh, grew into as you were raising your children? Where would you say you fall into that? I think I was pretty patient. Part of it was because I did have the gift of being a stay-at-home mom. Although that had its own challenges, believe me. Uh, we lived in Maine and it was 30 below zero in the wintertime with two little kids. That can be a little stressful. But, you know, my uh, my fallback was always put them in the kitchen. Just let them, let them go in the kitchen, bake, stir things, mess, muck around, make up recipes. That was a good fallback for us. And 
as Jen, as I, as our listeners know, I recently became a grandma and I tell you what, that little boy is the teacher of patience and it's, it's patience, but it's also just slowing down and observing and of any age child, just observing what do they like to do? What, how do they play? How do they move their bodies? What are they noticing? And, you know, taking that walk to the park that takes an hour, the goal is not to get to the park, right? It's just to take the walk and see what you can see. And so that's been amazing for me. I think that's why grandparents love being grandparents, because you do have more time to to do those things. Yeah, I think there's a big difference, isn't there? When you're juggling, like you're working full time, like I was doing, running a household, had a dog, had two kids, got to get there, got to have another meeting with this one. There is that kind of energy that you get stuck in a bit unless you have a a conscious moment to stop, think, pause and ponder. And I think you're right. That's why grandparents are fantastic, because you have that time to slow down and spend time listening to them and playing with them for longer. And then you hand them back at the end of the day, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say then the second most common question I hear from parents is, how do I get him to listen without saying things a thousand times? I bet you get this question, Sue. I do. And it's a question of your body language and your tone of voice, because a lot of people, I when I listen to them, I don't work with the children, I listen to the parents, but I've seen it in action, you have to, please come down off there, don't jump on there. So the voice is already kind of pleading, whereas I'm trained in something called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is the study of excellence. So it's about put those shoulders back. And when I was teaching, you're acting a lot of the time to be quiet. I was, oh, I can't believe you've just done that. So again, with parents, shoulders back, exude confidence, notice your tone of voice that you, what I call mean business. You don't have to be cross, you don't have to be unkind, but you mean what you say. And then you you go from there. And I think your tone of voice has a big sort of uh, effort on it as well. So those are quite simple things that you can change up a bit to make sure that your children do listen to you because also you know they'll play you and they'll know if you kind of do it three times and you don't really act on that then they know that they do it for four or five you will still give in at that point so you have to follow on and you have to know what your consequences are and you have to help your children make better choices Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the most difficult part of all of that for most parents you said exude confidence absolutely key I understand that And yet I really think that uh, a lot of parents, they don't feel that confidence. Now, you know, you you can act confidence if you don't have it, that whole fake it until you make it. But it's it's hard to feel confident as a parent when, let's face it, you really don't know what you're doing. And today there are so many voices and, you know, whatever you think you're doing, you open up Instagram or TikTok and there's somebody else and maybe I should do that. And so- I think it's difficult for parents to um, feel a sense of confidence in themselves. What would you say to parents who, who want to address that part? Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I remember my own dad said to me one time, well, do I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. And I thought he knew everything. And of course, he hadn't been a dad before, with whatever mm-hmm. age I was and whatever I was asking him. But I think it's important. That's why when I work with clients one to one, or they come on workshops or whatever they come on, it is about, you know, when I used to do Disney sitting on the sofas, just writing about that, actually. Um, 
a lot of the questions were quite short and quite small and quite niggly rather than big old problems. And I suddenly realized it was reassurance I was giving. I was saying, oh no, that's great. You're doing a good job on that. Well done. And I don't mean that facetiously or, you know, without being genuine about that. But a lot of parents don't get that feedback. They don't really know if they're doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, confidence comes from, of course, I had been a teacher and I taught 45, you know, 45 three-year-olds. No, what did I teach? Uh, no, 35 four-year-olds. Let's get it right. Um, and you have to act, you know, assertively because you it's like conducting an orchestra. So the other thing is, though, you know, read the blog, sure, but turn off the phone because in Instagram is full of perfect parenting and there's a little sort of expression that goes around a little poster I did there's no such thing as a perfect parent so just be a real one trust your instincts if you're kind if you're loving if you have firm fair consistent boundaries you've got to have a few rules and if the kids know them and they know that the consequences that you'll follow through on whatever that is without being all horrible and cross but you will follow on then they'll learn to self-regulate themselves they learn it from you first and then they implement it as they grow and change and learn to self-regulate themselves so find out whatever it is that helps you feel more confident don't keep comparing yourself trust your instincts as well and possibly find someone that you do think took some common sense and maybe follow them or read some of their stuff and then don't get overwhelmed because that you're right. It's everywhere and everyone has a different opinion. And you can, you know, you can really end up in a knot in your tummy because you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because you're right. You know, the basics, be kind, be yeah. calm, model, model the behavior that you want to see. If you are hitting on those basics, those little details don't matter all that much. I think we forget how much modeling is so important because as kids get older, you don't see the immediate result, but with (laughs) grandson who is now 15 months, oh my goodness, he's instantly doing what we're doing, Uh, trying to copy words that we're saying, you know, we're all like, "Uh oh, we better start watching what we're saying, but (laughs) It's so it's so evident so quickly. We forget that our eight-year-old, that our twelve-year-old, is still watching everything we do. That our fifteen-year-old, because uh, let me tell you, you know, you can model all kinds of respectful behavior and responsible behavior. Your fifteen-year-old will not immediately emulate you. That's right. Yeah. But they will no, come true. around. They'll come. Yeah. Around. Yeah, they will. And and it's the same principle. I talk about it, too. You know, if you're driving along and you teach your children always to respect the elderly or respect people and all that lip service stuff. And then a little old lady cuts you in the roundabout when she's driving her little car to the Sainsbury's or somewhere and you turn around and swear. What do you think your kids really remember? Not all that lip service, but all oh, kind and respectful to the elderly. Oh, you know, they remember you swore blue because she cut you up on the roundabout. So they are looking, learning and listening to us all the time. And you're absolutely right. My kids are grown now. But, you know, they remember some of the things that we pass on unconsciously as well as consciously. Mm -hmm. So you are sort of got to be mindful about that. You don't have to be obsessed about it. But, you know, do model the behavior. And I noticed kindness, for example. I was very taken with this is an anecdote about my son, which I thought was lovely. And I didn't even know we'd kind of passed that on to that degree. We were in Clapham. It was raining. There was a guy homeless sleeping, you know, kind of 
rough. It started to rain. He was with his girlfriend. They ran into a, a coffee shop place that's, you know, like a 7-Eleven. They bought an umbrella and a cup of coffee and a sandwich because they knew the guy. They'd walked past there many times. They came out, gave him the umbrella, gave him the coffee and the sandwich. And I thought, goodness me, that's kindness. So that was, you know, that had been kind of percolating throughout his life, I guess, where we are trying to be kind to other people as well. So they do learn and listen from us, even though they don't let on. So this is a question, an, an actual situation. And this is a 18 year old. This goes back to this sense of confidence and trusting yourself. This mama's question is am I overreacting? She's wondering, her son is 18. He's not finishing school. He's got a job. He's already crashed one car. He's got a job. He pays his car and insurance like at the very last minute. So there's all that stress to get to that. Is he going to lose his insurance? And then he can't drive. He has a girlfriend who gives him money because mom and dad don't give him money anymore. The girlfriend gives him money. The girlfriend is a place to stay. So they can't really leverage you're an under our roof kind of thing. Uh, unstable household over there. He won't introduce her to the family. His friends don't like her. He wants to keep her separate and she's a little bit older. So not a great situation there, but he's very unmotivated about his life. And, you know, they've talked about him taking a gap year, but he can't take the gap year until he finishes school and he doesn't want to finish school. So this mom is just, you know, pulling her hair out, as you can imagine. Oh, oh, and he's smoking pot and drinking. And she doesn't know the level of reaction or overreaction. So she's kind of locked in that place and is just throwing up her hands. She doesn't know what to do with this kiddo i want to add in on this for a minute before we go to you sue um janet and sue last week i had my mammogram done you know just routine screening little chit chat with the person who is doing the uh the exam and she asked what i do the whole boy thing came up and she's got two sons too she's got a 20 year old who's that's the one that she's pulling her hair out right now because he doesn't have a job he's not working he's smoking a lot of pot and he's got a girlfriend who's supporting him and I can tell she's concerned about that and she wishes he'd just get a job. But I can see that from the son's perspective, he's got it made right now. Exactly. exactly. But not it's interesting because we're it's, seeing into the future for him. He's yeah. not. Go ahead, Sue. Well, the thing is, that's micromanaged and that, that's our expectations on the kids. And there's pressure. And that's not just built up just over a week ago. That is a long term style that he has learned to go. Do you know what? Either I can't be perfect for them or I'm actually going to go against all their values, which is hard work. Parents are probably perfectionists or hardworking or achievers. So he goes, well, do you know what? I can't do all that. I'm a, you know, I'm just going to go the opposite. I'm going to not try. I'm going to deliberately leave my insurance at the last minute because it drives my mum crazy because she's like that I just either he does it consciously or unconsciously but whatever it is it is an act of choice 
And, you know, this is very difficult, but this whole thing about how far do we go to let them make their own mistakes? Mm -hmm. Because I'm very mindful with my kids as adults' kids now. I go alongside them. Mm -hmm. And, of course, sometimes I can see them, not serious mistakes, but if they're making some, you know, errors, I don't interfere with that. I don't jump in to helicopter it or sledgehammer them into making a different decision because all that happens is they resent you and they don't listen to you and they will go completely the other way so it is trying to find that balance but the important thing to always keep in mind there are these things called the crucial c's and one of them is connection and connection where they're at instead of nagging because that just switches off the relationship instead of kind of judging again that just takes away your connection so you go more into if you can which is very difficult as a parent because you can see you know he's going a bit off the rails but if you try and keep the long term really bigger picture there's very few thank goodness sort of 40 45 year olds that are just behaving like that so it is another phase and it is to do with the parent perhaps changing what they say and how they say it and how often they do it it's not an easy position and of course when I work one-to-one -one with people you really unpick it we're just talking about a generic kind of answer sure to that um, and also you know children need no matter how old they are to take responsibility for their own actions and they don't learn it if you rescue them you've got to empower them and sometimes you have to let them make mistakes because that's when they'll learn that they got a hand in their assignment on time or they have to do a detention or that's when they learn that you know their car tax their car gets taken away because they haven't paid what they're supposed or the water bill or whatever it might be so mm -hmm. it's a difficult one but the first person, you can only change yourself. So the first person to work with is yourself. And it, well, what I'm currently doing, as Einstein said, is not working. That's like banging your head against the brick wall and it, it hurts, but nothing changes. So the parent has to take a step back, go into the bigger picture, take a deep breath and think, right, how can I build back more connection with, with the sun? You know, which is not easy, but it's important, isn't it? We are going to take a brief pause for these messages from our sponsors. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son Tyler had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. 
Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. Yeah. And I think our, our parents need to know it is totally normal to worry about your child when that yeah. is the circumstance. Totally normal. The worrying is not overreacting. But the worry is something that you need to manage because the fact is you cannot change what your 18-year-old is doing. You cannot change what your 20-something is doing. They are on their path. They are making their choices. Sue, I love your advice about you know coming alongside and as hard as it can be to watch them uh, sometimes run into a proverbial wall and get smacked in the face and have to pick themselves up and... Mm-hmm. They learn from that. Yes, that is true. And, you know, the point being that you're not giving, that person is not giving them money or they're not doing this and they're doing that and getting it somewhere else. After a while, the lesson will be that the girlfriend will go, do you know what? He's a bit of a sponger here. Uh, uh-huh. I don't think he's going to do that. Then he'll have to go, actually, I need to get a Saturday job or whatever. Yeah. But sometimes the pressure on kids to be perfect or to be as successful as their parents actually makes them explode because they can't cope with all that overwhelm interesting yeah Yeah, they see it they definitely see it this is sort of related because of course and sue i'm also trained in nlp so i love that we have that connection this is sort of related because as you said you know we can only change ourselves but i hear this sometimes from moms who are in a divorce situation and so they're solo momming of a son, the son starts behaving like the dad or has some verbal barbs that are completely coming from dad. How is a mom supposed to handle situations like that where you, as your son's growing up, he's starting to be a little bit more like his dad? Well, it depends if it's, you know, uh, abuse verbal or physical that's just not okay and you have to you know you have to address that mm-hmm. the difficulty is that if they've heard things from the father and that's why you he is an ex uh husband exactly. because he didn't agree <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't quite get it right on certain aspects or vice versa <laughs> but what you have to do then is pause to ponder I have a sort of an imaginary pause button on a remote control. Press that pause button when that happens. Take a physical step back. In that split second, you detach. And then you choose how you're going to react to that. What are you going to say? How are you going to say it? Is it okay? If it's not okay, then say, this is not okay the way you're speaking to me about this. In a calm way, not all this sort of hyper and getting more and more angry and everyone gets even more angry. But it's, you know, you have to address it sometimes if it gets out of hand. But on the other hand, over time, and I know this is the bigger picture stuff that people find very difficult. You know, I remember I work with a lot of people going through divorce. It's one of my specialisms. And one of the key things is, you know, they do notice after a fashion when they start to get more mature 
that actually, yeah, I don't like the way he does that or speaks to her or speaks to me. And they see the bigger, I always remember with my own dear friend, actually, she had three kids. They got divorced when the, the children were, you know, about seven or eight and nine. She never criticized the father because she wanted them to have that relationship with their dad, which is very important. And yes. then I think the son turned about 18 and the father kicked off about something or brother and he just turned around and he said oh my god I can see and he, he just nailed exactly the problem with father and when he was 18 she went yeah and that's all she said but it was acknowledged then oh. now you get it and it took 10 years or something which was incredibly mature of my dear friend mm -hmm. but you know but if it's abusive and it's not very nice then you do have to call it don't you I think what do you think mm -hmm. absolutely I think that's that's good advice and it's hard to live because as so much of this advice is, of course, it's easier for us all in a calm moment to sit here and talk about it than to live it in the moment. So, oh, you yeah. know, mom's living through this. There's a really good chance that you lost it at least once when this happened. Really good chance. Maybe more than once. You're human. You will make mistakes too. Totally okay. Having... Um, gone through a divorce and I, I know how this can feel. I also want to encourage moms to be careful because when you've gone through a divorce and you hear your son saying something that's hurtful to you and you're like, oh, that's just like his dad. Sometimes yeah. it is. And sometimes it isn't. Yes. When we have been hurt by somebody, especially, you know, in a, in a relationship that was supposed to be full of trust and mutual support. Um, that hurt is so deep that sometimes, especially if there's a child who maybe looks like that person, you know, we're tempted to project things onto them that isn't always there. Yeah. So there's the, there's room for some deep work and reflection as well and healing some of your own stuff. And it is the hardest, hardest work, but healing some of your own hurt can maybe make some of that other hurt not so acute anymore. I think so. And, and I think, you know, notice your triggers because yes. it may well be, and you were right, it may be that they're like their dad or the mum, whichever way around it is, Absolutely. but they may not be. And it is, I call it doing the work. And that's when I coach one-to-one -one with mums and dads, you know, to do the work on that stuff. So you don't then do this intergenerational patterns where you pass it on yeah. and it just repeats itself down the generations. This stuff is important. It's not easy but it's important. So I always suggest, you know, get, get a, do, do a bit of work around that with maybe somebody else who hasn't got a vested injury. It's not a friend and you don't go around with a bottle of wine and chew it over. And then you sort of join a pity party or it escalates about why they don't like that person any, you know, and all the rest of it, go and find someone who's a sort of professional person who will offer you the space to explore it for yourself. No finger pointing, mm -hmm. no judgment, but actually sort of getting to the bottom of it. And yes, you've got to be careful because self-esteem is linked to that too, because if, if they're musical like their father or their mother, or yes. if they look like them, or they're sporty, or they're this, or they're that, they are half of that person. And you've got to be mindful that by judging and what we call slagging off, which is criticizing heavily uh, the, the other partner that you've divorced from, 
they will feel that quite yeah. keenly if they are like them in some way. And you don't want them stuck in the middle and you don't want their self-esteem damaged by that. So it's complicated, but you can unpick it and you can do it okay. And you know what? Time is a great thing. Because when I work with clients, I always describe it as like a ball of wool. It's got tipsy tangled or, you know, my jewellery gets tangled up sometimes in the cupboard yes. and I have to unpick it. So you have to kind of unpick one or two things at a time and do some work on yourself, journal it or think about it or pause to ponder it from a bigger picture point of view. And then sometimes imagine yourself on a cloud or something higher up looking down on yourself or ask a, you know, an elderly relative that might have passed on, you know, from that viewpoint of up there, is this, am I doing this right? Do I need to rethink what I'm doing? Because you get the bigger picture suddenly. I from like that. And the socks and pants that we all get in. It's not easy. It is, I've been through the divorce as well. Not easy, but important. Yes. So important. And as you said, to not pass this down generationally, it's an yes. opportunity to put a line in the sand. Yeah. Family pattern stops here. The other thing I get parents to do sometimes as well is write down what you like about their dad or their mum before you had children as well. So that you, you and also you can do it with a cup of coffee and I do it as an exercise with my families I work with. You know, what made them a great parent? You know, because we focus on what they're not great at. And of course, we're divorced and we can't stand them and all the rest of it. Yes. But actually, they're really good at taking them to sport or they're really good at listening to them, you know, or they're really good at riding bikes on Saturdays or something start to focus on what they do get right and you relax and get a bit more of it now you can go on and on about what they got wrong of we can all do that but you get more of what you focus on so why not focus on the good bits of their dad or their mum so that the children get a balance and don't feel caught in the middle so healthy and that goes back to that self-care sunday sue <laughs> self-care along with this deeper work and we know that parenting is all about our own personal growth brief pause for these messages from our sponsors when we come back we're talking about screens i hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal and yet bath time can be really fun in fact here in the very cold winter we use bath time as an activity Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. 
We got to talk about screens because I know that's probably an issue there as well as here. Nope. Uh, nope. It's all solved nope. in the UK, right, Sue? You, you, <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you no, no one has a problem, the problem. With screens. No, it's a problem the world over, isn't it? And of course, the other thing is I'm a tremendous person about looking for balance. My father taught me that. Always look for balance. So I tend to always go, well, you don't ban anything. You balance it. Because if you ban screens, well, they're going to want to do them even more. I remember growing up with a little girl who was banned from sweets. What did she do at 14 or 15 when she had her own pocket money and could go to the shop? She ate sweets like nobody's business because she had been banned from eating sweets all through her childhood. So you go to two extremes. You've got to find the balance. But as a parent, you are there to be their parent, not their friend. And it's a privilege not a right to have a screen day in, day out. And they don't know the dangers of constantly scrolling, constantly on their phone, constantly at two o'clock in the morning, sending WhatsApp messages and never sleeping. They don't know that yet. Even though it's around them, they read it to a certain extent. They don't want to know. But how we handle it, that's why you've got to get the tone of voice right. You've got to get the rules. You've got to find that healthy balance. You know, you have rules. I write about that sort of stuff. When is it sort of unplug time and they're watching you? Are you at the dinner table? Sorry, just a minute. I'm just checking an email. Uh, You know, I'm just on Twitter here for a minute because it's quite funny. Um, They're going to be watching you too. So we have to balance it too. Don't ban it balance it have a few rules around it be consistent around it and if they're younger have some consequences there are apps and stuff you can get there's something called time tokens i think as well where they kind of get these things and they have a certain amount of time and when they have used it up then they it's gone so whatever it might take but get confident in that because you do know that teenagers suffer from depression anxiety you don't quite know where they're going with some of it i was interviewed for one of the national papers here the other day about a tragic story of of a girl who'd been on TikTok uh, and she'd been going down. It was her birthday. She had been on Amazon looking for birthday presents. And then the next thing is she did something that was a self-harm thing and it went wrong and she died. So you've got to be in balance about trying to talk and teach them as well as the dangers, as well as the great bits about it. Because we are on Boys Parenting Podcast, I'm curious what's happening for the boys in the UK of families that you work with. Well, boys, yes, they need positive role models, I think, as well. There's a charity that I'm very fond of called uh, Lads Need Dads, Mm -hmm. because if there's divorce or there is breakdown or mental health or drugs or drink, then boys need a father figure. It doesn't actually have to be their immediate father, actually. But there's this charity that runs, you know, reading groups in schools and the boys have someone that sits with them and reads. And of course, because they're reading, they're chatting and they're getting positive kind of information. I think it's a beautiful charity because it's not straight in your face and everything like that. They have fun. They go on camping trips. They do all sorts of workshops. But I think it's important. And I think that Boys do look up to their fathers. And so, you know, they need that support. I think there's a huge danger around pornography and uh, things online that we need to talk and teach our boys as well as our girls. We have problems here around boys not respecting girls as well as perhaps girls not sometimes respecting boys. But we need to raise men that are respectful, confident, kind, compassionate, 
that are able to listen so that they grow up emotionally able to handle what life will throw at them. And I think that's a problem around the world too. And I think it's something that, you know, addressing and talking about raising boys is such an important topic on podcasts and stuff. I think that's where a lot of parents of boys and moms in particular feel so much pressure and sometimes jump on behaviors that I feel fall within normal limits. This, you know, yes, we want to raise kind, compassionate, thoughtful, respectful boys. And so when that is your goal, which it is for most parents, you know, when that's your goal, and then you've got a four-year-old who says something mean, or an 11-year-old who's calling his friends an idiot, or he's using gay as a slur. Yes. Yes. Um, These are, to me, kind of developmentally normal, typical behaviors, but there are parents who will react very harshly because I want to raise a kind man. What are your thoughts, Sue? No, I think you're right. It's balance around this stuff. And find that median. You're right. They're overreacting to some of that. And let's face it, boys as well as girls, they're just learning. So they make (laughs) mistakes. They say things that they don't mean. I was working with a client actually recently, and their son was called gay in the the playground as a derogatory term. And actually that, you know, for goodness sake, it used to be something they used to say. I remember my husband used to work in a school once and they turned, he used to say, oh, you're mum whatever that meant but that was an absolutely horrible thing to say to someone oh your your mum so they find whatever expressions they are so find that balance what's underneath it are they intrinsically learning have they made a mistake do you just need to come in a little softer but still direct not sledgehammer them in a different direction and model you know the bigger picture of how you want them to be we are getting better with mental health in the uk here around men talking about their feelings Mm -hmm. and there's been a big push with Prince William around talking about men in sport and it becomes okay for Mm -hmm. sportsmen rugby players football players to talk about their mental health their well-being what upsets them in fact the mayor here Sadiq Khan I was listening to a podcast um, the other day because I listened to something called the rest is politics fantastically interview with him he's the mayor but he talked about the pandemic really struggling wearing the white shirt on the top and in the sort of pajama bottoms but that wasn't funny after a few months he found it Mm -hmm. really really stressful wasn't coping so he had to look at that and there he was on this podcast a huge podcast talking about it and then they were discussing it because Alistair Campbell suffers from depression and you know they were talking openly about how you handle some of these things so that's always a good step to see adults talking about it so that young boys and men can see that it's okay to express these strong emotions. You've mentioned the big picture numerous times while we're talking. And, you know, none of us are in our 20s anymore. None of us are in the first time parenting trenches. The older I get, the more I realize how helpful that perspective is. When you're in the moment, you just think that this situation is the one I have to solve and then everything will be better. But the truth is, what I hear you telling parents is to really pull back and think about what are your big goals and how do we best achieve those big goals? 
I think that's right. And, you know, taking yourself out to what are you trying to achieve here with raising your son, a reliable adult who's responsible, who holds down a job, who's kind, etc. So that then helps you go into that bigger picture, because we do all get stuck in what I call the socks and pants of life, which is, you know, I'm so tired. I've told him a hundred times to come off or come down for dinner and come off the game station, you know, and all this. It's easy for me to say that, but I have been round the block with it, experienced it too, like yes, a sword. Yes. And this is the old shoulders or the old wisdom on the on the you know the shoulders of an older person. But try and take that on board and go. This too shall pass. Even mm. this wonderful time, it will pass, and we will go through some rocky roads on this. But we will come back. And sometimes I say to parents when the the children are teenagers and they're pushing their boundaries and they're risking stuff, and you're more anxious. I noticed that even in the arc of my own parent with my mum, you know, once I went through some of those things and became a mum myself, my mum and I got very close again, you know, through just raising the grandchildren, her grandchildren. And the same with my son, you know, you let them go, you give them roots, they have the wings and you keep communication, but it's a conscious thing. And then yes. you realise when is it time to step in or when is it perhaps time to step back? And sometimes just listen. There's a story I told with my own daughter. I was a deputy head teacher for many, many years, and I taught for 20 odd years. And I remember picking her up, and I'd had a bad day actually. And I picked up my daughter. She got in the front. She started nattering about how awful her day was. This went wrong. She said this. I didn't have that. The science, oh, that science lesson was awful. Blah, blah, chat, chat. And we got to the house nearly, and I've got to clean out the guinea pig. As if that was like, the end of her life she's got to clean out this guinea pig so I remember I just went uh-huh mm, oh named it that sounds frustrating didn't say much driving along thinking god you think you've had a bad day and all you've got to do is clean out the guinea pig I've got to start the dinner and do the bathing and all this other stuff anyway she got out of the car she came around she went hugged me and said oh thanks mum so there it is going alongside oh. literally in the car actually because I had to look this way and I wasn't looking at her I held the space for her mm. to offload and it's the same with my son I used to take him to football training and I sort of resented it a bit because the traffic was always bad at six o'clock on a Thursday sometimes then I noticed we talk deep and meaningful sometimes we just listen to the radio sometimes I could pass on my values about something sometimes we just talked about Chelsea our football team sometimes we didn't say much but there was space there created in that half an hour journey, which I missed when he eventually gave it up after about nine years because we didn't have that connecting time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's only what you know in hindsight, isn't it? But yes. create spaces to be connected. It's about connection. And I don't think you can go too far wrong if you stay connected to your boys and girls. Yeah, I think that we, what you said about practice we just took my grandson to the ocean for the first time and he'd never seen waves before. And man, he made a beeline right straight out to the waves. And I, I, and I, this occurs to me all the time. It's like, he's never seen waves before. This is a new experience for him. He needs the practice of, you know, what happens when you walk into the waves and the water is really cold. And as it gets old, as our kids get older, the practice becomes social interaction, cleaning out the guinea pig, whatever it is. But but this holding this ideal that our you know our seven year old has never done that before. They've never been yes. in that situation before. Yes. Our fourteen year old has never 
called up a girl to have a date or whatever it is, it is brand new for them. So if we can kind of hold that space and recognize that. I think that's brilliant advice, actually, Janet. Take it a step further. Hold yeah. the space for yourself as well. Yes. Yeah. You're right. You likely have not been in that space before. And even if you have gone through it with one child, it's next different. one is bound to be different. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, my dad said to me, Sue, I've never done this before. And I'm thinking, yeah. but my dad knows everything. But he hadn't been a dad before. So yes. I think that advice is actually, if they get a little takeaway from this chat, just take that away. Yeah. <laughs> and as you said, Jen, every child is going to do it differently. You've got four and none of those boys approached certain situations the same way. So mm -mm. Ooh, we get to be super flexible, don't we? I yeah. have gotten better at patience, Sue and Janet. Let me tell you, they have sort of forcefully taught me that. Well, they, you know, they teach us all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they push our buttons and then we have to learn as well because it's a journey. And actually, instead of a journey, I call it an adventure because if you see it like that, it sort of makes it a little more playful. And some parents get really stuck in the kind of socks and pants and nagging, negative kind of way of thinking. Lighten up a little bit. And I was working with a client recently and they had all these rules, you know, there were sort of like 35 different rules. And I, the kid was only five or something. It's on the back of the door. And this child was hitting pillows because she he was so frustrated. And I just said, oh, and her husband, she didn't realize that I had a bit of humor in me. I said, oh, she said, we plays a lot of golf. And I said, oh, I wonder why? Because he didn't want to come home to all these <laughs> rules. So we looked at some of them and she had to learn to let go of some of these rules. Yes, you need some boundaries, but you don't need such strict rules. You need to be flexible. And I got her to thinking about how can you have more fun yeah. together with your son and your husband? So as I say, the we thing where you do it together, the hour thing where you're a big family or the me time where you have a bit of fun for yourself. I love that, Sue. Having fun. It's supposed to be fun. When we started out on this parenting adventure, which I love that, we weren't thinking about the hard stuff. We were thinking about it being fun. And this has been so fun, Sue. I knew it would be. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online. Okay, well, I am thesueatkins.com because there is a lady called Sue Atkins sitting on a yacht. It is not me. So I'm the one and only. So it's thesueatkins.com. It's Instagram Sue Atkins, the parenting expert. Facebook Sue Atkins, the parenting expert. Twitter Sue Atkins. You just Google Sue Atkins and I turn up like a bad penny. <laughs> <laughs> but not the one on the yacht. Not the one on the no, yacht. I'm not okay. the one on the I wish. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so down to earth and practical. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. I could talk to you all afternoon or all morning, depending where we are in the world. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. And I hope your listeners have found it helpful. Wow. What a super fun and lively conversation. I think the takeaway really is parenting can be Fun, and this too shall pass no matter what you're in if it's hard if it's easy this too shall pass this is the on boys parenting podcast we are your co-host jennifer lw fink of buildingboys.net 
and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. You know, we appreciate you, our listeners, so much, and we have begun to have ads in our podcast because that allows us to continue to bring these awesome guests and this very much needed content to you. So what you can do for us is to support those sponsors. That means they love us and we can continue to do what we do, what we love doing so much. Thank you so much. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.